with me to Acts chapter number 5. Acts chapter number 5. For those of you who are visiting with us, we have been going through the life of Peter. And uh, as you find in Scripture, there's uh, quite a bit about Peter. Uh, He was very outspoken. There was one that was out in front. He didn't have uh, many times where he wasn't going to say what was on his mind. And you see that in Scripture. And uh, the the theme of this series has been stand out. Uh, And the truth of the matter is, and we're going to reiterate this each and every single week, is that you're going to stand out. It's just a matter of how are you going to stand out. You see, as you go and you you study the life of Peter, you're going to find that Peter stood out in many different situations where you look at his life and you say, man, he stood out for good. Uh, He made a difference. He was doing something and he took the charge and he uh, made himself an example of what a Christian ought to do in certain circumstances. But then there are also times in Peter's life where you look at him and you say, you stood out, but man, did you stand out in, in a negative way. As you go and you, you think about different times in Peter's life, you, I mean, just today as I was reading for just a little while uh, on Peter, and we're going to be in Acts chapter number 5 here in a few moments, but in different portions of Scripture there was one that deals with Peter and uh, the Lord as Peter is trying to rebuke Jesus. As he's about to go to the cross, Jesus turns and looks at Peter and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. I'll tell you right now, Peter stood out, but not in a way that I would want to stand out in that regard. And so in different ways you find that Peter stood out. And as you come to Acts, the book of Acts, you know that Peter was a, a leader of the church. He was one that stood out. He was one that was at the forefront. He was one that the Lord would go to use in a mighty, mighty way. And as you come to Acts chapter number 4, we're going to lay a little bit of foundation this evening for just a few moments. You'll find that as you study the church, the church went through what we would know to be a time where they had a time of prayer, of power, of preaching, and persecution. And the, pre, the persecution would always lead them to prayer. The persecution would always lead them back to the Lord and looking to the Lord. And in this portion of Scripture, you're going to find that there was a time where the people had gotten their eyes off the Lord. And there was two individuals specifically that we see at the very beginning of Acts chapter number 5. Now, at the end of Acts chapter number 4, if you were to read it, you'll find that the church is experiencing a high. There's a lot going on, a lot of positive things. The very last few words of Acts chapter number 4, the Bible says about Barnabas, it says, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. As you come to chapter number 5 now, you're seeing that, that closeness, that sweet spirit, if you would. But there's something that's going to hinder that sweet spirit. There's something that's going to quench that sweet spirit. And there are two individuals at the beginning of chapter number 5 that you see, and those individuals are by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. Now many of you know the story about Ananias and Sapphira. And having sold land, they begin to tell a story as, as, as a child would hear. As a child growing up, there were, were times whenever uh, we would have certain individuals where you were talking to them and you would tell them something and look at you and say, are you telling a story? What they're asking is, are you telling a lie? Are you telling a truth? Are you telling a lie? And Ananias and Sapphira here, as you go and you study what's taking place here, they begin to quench the Spirit of God. Look with me, if you would, in verse number 1 of chapter number 5, the Bible says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, notice verse number 2, and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost, and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, notice this statement right here, verse number 4, 
but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. And then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in, and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things." Now, the beginning of Acts chapter number 5 is not where we are going to find ourselves this evening. But one of the things that you come to realize is Acts chapter number 4 is coming to a close. You find a sweet spirit amongst the church. You find a closeness amongst the church. But then, very quickly, sin enters in, if you would. And all of a sudden, the, the, the grieving of the Holy Spirit begins to take place. And Peter, being the leader that he is, notice what he says. In verse number 9, it says, Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? So Peter, being the spiritual leader that he is, and the, 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 the making sure that things are going to be taken care of, asks that question. And this is where, in Acts chapter number 5, we begin to see Peter once again standing out. Peter's standing out in verse number 9 as he is taking charge and dealing with these things. And one of the things that we find in Acts chapter number 5, the very beginning, is that we ought to take into consideration the spiritual evaluation that we ought to often do. You see, there are some that have come to the house of God tonight, and on your very heart, you have already checked out, and you have a do not disturb or a no trespassing sign on your heart. The Holy Spirit is trying to get your attention, but you say, no trespassing, I don't want to hear it. And tonight, as you sit under the preaching of the Word of God, and as you've sat under for many years, maybe you've had this do not disturb sign on your heart, and you will not let the Lord get your attention. Yet time and time again, the Lord is trying to deal with you, and you're grieving the Holy Spirit. As you come to Acts chapter number 5, Peter begins to deal with this. And as he begins to deal with this, you see in verse number 11, the Bible says, And great fear came upon all the church. Now, I don't know about you, but if we were to see this in modern day, I think that fear would come upon all of us. I believe if we were to see this today, someone coming in and grieving the Holy Spirit just like this, that all of a sudden something like this where someone falls to the ground dead after it becomes known, we'd say, "Uh uh-oh. But we need to get right. I think the altars would be full. And as you come to Acts chapter number 5 here, Peter's going to take a, a stand, and Peter's going to take the charge. And I want to draw your attention for just a few moments in verse number 19 and 20 of this chapter, and then we'll look at one other, and we're going to walk through this passage of Scripture for just a few moments. In verse number 19, as you come to this portion of Scripture, the, the church is going to experience some persecution once again. And can I share with you that those that were trying to persecute the church and those that were trying to persecute those who were teaching and preaching the Word of God, they found out rather quickly that God was stronger than their persecution. And in verse number 19, the Bible says, But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors. They'd been thrown into prison for preaching and taking a stand. And in verse number 19 it says, And brought them forth and said, Go, stand, and speak. In the temple to the people, all the words of this life. 
Draw your attention on down to verse number 29, a very very familiar verse that we've no doubt quoted many times that Peter goes on to say, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. Tonight, could I encourage you, we're going to find ourselves looking at these verses here in just a few moments, but in verse number 20, the title of the message is very, very simple tonight. It's taken right out of the verse right here. Verse 20, go stand and speak. Can I share with you tonight, we need some Christians who are going to not only go, they're not only just going to go and observe what is taking place, they're not only going to go and they're not only going to just stand with those who are making a difference, but they're going to be a part of the difference and they're going to speak. And we need some Christians tonight who are going to commit to the Lord that we're going to go, we're going to stand, and we're going to speak of the truth of the Word of God. And in verse number 20, Peter is going to take that stand. As the Bible says, the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors. And he goes on to say, go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Not just some of the words, not just occasional words, but he says all the words of this life. As you continue to come on down, you'll begin to see that there again is going to come become some who are frustrated about what is taking place and disappointed at what's taking place and mad about what is taking place. And Peter and the other apostles are going to say to them, we ought to obey God rather than men. We need some Christians that need to do that tonight. Who will obey God rather than men. And, and so as you come to this portion of Scripture, I, I beg of you this evening, take off the do not disturb sign off your heart. Take off the no trespassing sign off of your heart and allow the Lord to speak to you, to reveal to you whether or not you've been going, whether or not you've been standing, whether or not you've been speaking. And if you haven't, tonight I want to encourage you to do so. There was a man who began to talk about Campbell Morgan one time. And as he was talking about Campbell Morgan, he made the application to his personal life as he was talking about him and he made this statement. He said, Campbell Morgan once came to America or to the country, and he began to speak, and he, he preached one message that forever just basically squashed the 40 years of preaching that I've been doing. As he was telling this story, he was talking about something very specific that we all deal with. He said that Campbell Morgan came, and he preached a message that squashed 40 years of my preaching, because for 40 years I've been preaching that we needed to give up things, and, and so I would give up maybe uh, something uh, such as a meal and replace it with something else, hoping that God would bless it. And there were times whenever our family, we practiced this and we would give up this in hopes that God would bless this and we'd give up time in hopes that God would bless here and we'd give up all of these many things. And then uh, Campbell Morgan came in one day and he began to preach a message on no longer giving up the things, but giving up self. And he said, it was in that service where I realized that for 40 years I had been giving up all of these things, but I had never given up myself. Can I share with you that there are many Christians tonight that are sitting in churches all across this nation and all across this world that are giving up a lot of things. But can I share with you, God is not concerned of what you're giving materialistic up right now. He's wondering, when are you going to give yourself up? When are you going to give yourself up? When are you going to give yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm at your expense. Lord, whatever you have for me, I'm yours. You see, there are a lot of people who struggle with this because on a, on a day-to-day note, we find ourselves to be very selfish individuals. And in this certain, certain situation right here, Peter is very quickly realizing that there was some selfishness in Ananias and Sapphira, and he addresses it rather quickly as he goes and he asks that question. 
In verse number 4, he goes on to say, Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart, that thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God? Last year, we had the youth speaker for Youth Day, or, 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 or uh, I can't remember what day it was called. I believe it was Youth Sunday. And Brother Ed Loney, who was going to be preaching our Generation to Generation Youth Conference in a couple of weeks, was preaching, and he began to deal with the many teenagers that he deals with on a regular basis. And he had a, a teenager that began to talk to him and was making the statement, well, you can't judge me, only God can judge me. And Ed, in that moment, made the statement to our entire congregation. He said, that's exactly what you should be afraid of. That God is judging you. And in this moment, we find that there are far too many Christians that aren't concerned about the judgment of God because they're only concerned about what man thinks. Can I share with you, Peter had no concern about what man thought in this moment. He said, we ought to obey God rather than man. And in this day and hour, we need some Christians who are no longer consumed with pleasing man and no longer consumed with what their friends and what their families are going to think of them. But what does God have to say about you? Can I share with you that I have some family members that are uh, that are right this very moment lost and they probably think that I am crazy and that I'm wild and that I what am I doing with my life? But can I share with you? Some of the greatest blessings that have ever come out of my life was when I surrendered my will to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm at your disposal. And what God has done and what God is doing, and I'm so thankful for the change that has been made in my life. As you begin to think about your own life, as you begin to look at this passage of Scripture, you'll find that there are certain conditions that need to be met in the church, certain conditions that need to be met in the Christian's life if the power of God is going to be present. There's no more a time in your life, if you've, if you've talked yourself into believing that you can sin like the world, live like the world, act like the world, talk like the world, and still have the power of God in your life, you've fooled yourself. You've deceived yourself. God and sin do not go hand in hand. And we're living in a world today where there are many that are even taking part in church services, and there are many who are leading churches that are living in sin and wondering why the power of God is not present. It is kind of like the child just tonight, just on the way to church. Jackson was riding in the very back seat, and as he was in the very back seat, he looked at us with a puzzled look because he had some pen and paper in his hand, and somehow the pen didn't end up on his paper, but ended up on his pants. And when I said, son, that's not how we use the pen, he looked at me as though I was the one that was weird for saying such a thing. Yet that is exactly sometimes how we look at the Lord. Lord, why aren't you blessing my life? Lord, why aren't you using me? And all the while, the Lord's probably sitting there saying, did you miss the part where I said get right with me? To no longer sin, to no longer allow yourself to live in sin and to deal with sin and to promote sin and to to be joyful in sin. Hey, sin is pleasurable for a season, but destruction is going to come. Judgment is going to come. And Ananias and Sapphira found this out rather quickly. Three things that we know to be true concerning this situation as we lay a foundation. They wanted the power of God. And this is not the message this evening, but I want you to understand this. They wanted to experience all these things. And there are many in churches today that want the power of God in the pulpit and want the power of God in the church, yet they're not willing to set their sin aside. Three things that you note concerning this as we lead into the message this evening. Purity must be something that we practice. You know, purity is not something that is talked about any longer. 
It's not something that we, we deal with any longer. You cannot live like the world and talk like the world and expect God to bless that. Peter understood that, hey, there was a sweet spirit in chapter number 4, and man, look what God is doing, and all of a sudden, they begin to lie. Deceiving, quenching the Holy Spirit, and Peter says, that is not, that's not pure. It has to be dealt with. And so as he goes and he removes Ananias and Sapphira, it was helping for the purifying of the church. You see, the Lord will bring to light the sin that is within each of our lives. Every single one of us. But here's the question we have to ask ourselves. Are we so numb to that sin that we won't deal with it? In many cases, we're so numb to the sin within our lives because it is holding us captive and we actually enjoy being held captive to it sometimes. And it's a strange thing to imagine. It's a strange thing to understand. Yet we allow the sin to linger for so long that we become numb to it. And all the while, the Lord is trying to get our attention. And there is a time that comes in many people's lives where they get to their breaking point and they say, how did we get here? And all the while you look back and you see the many times when the Lord was trying to get your attention. Purity. It has to be addressed. As you go and you look at chapter number 4 and in the early church, Acts chapter number 1 on, you begin to see that not only was there purity that was addressed, but there was unity. And they were in one accord. They enjoyed each other's company because of the one accord. They agreed doctrinally on things. They agreed in prayer. They agreed in the Word. And so the unity was there. But then there was another thing, and that was the word devotion, if you We've taken the theme given this year as our church has emphasized that word. And as I was studying this evening for this message, I began to think about being given to the Lord. I wonder over the last year how many of us have truly been given, not just given, but given to prayer, given to the word, and given to the Lord's leading, and given to the service of the Lord. How many times have we forsaken what God would have for us to do because we didn't want to be given in that moment because we had our own plan? You know, the last week I've, I've learned quite a bit about what the Lord is trying to constantly remind us all about what His will is. What His will is. And as I, as I go the last week, you know, just a, a couple of days ago on Sunday, we were originally planning on leaving on Monday, and I, I got the phone call from Brother Scott and was asking about preaching the funeral for his mother. And many of you know this, I, we, we, we will always adjust because we love our church family. And as I began to look back, I began to think about that funeral that took place yesterday. And three precious souls raised their hand, acknowledging that they needed to get saved. I began to think about certain situations where, man, we, we were originally going to be heading out of town. We were going to be gone for about two weeks. And I come to church on a Wednesday evening. We have all these visitors. What a blessing. You know, it always happens like that. Whenever I go out of town, people start visiting the church. I don't understand it. And I look at those things, and I look at the blessing of it, and I see that the Lord is saying, no, no, you were here, I kept you here for a reason. Now, we don't always understand those things. And sometimes we might even get frustrated when plans change, but all of a sudden, when you begin to see things from the Lord's perspective and not your own, it changes things, doesn't it? As you come to Acts chapter number 5, we notice five things that begin to take place in this passage of Scripture that I want to point to you quickly and pass along to you. You want the power of God on your life. You want the, the presence of the Lord to be evident. You want to see all the many blessings. And in this passage of Scripture, you begin to see that Peter is taking the stand. He's standing out this evening. And I wonder, as you draw your attention once again to verse number 20, the Bible says, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people. 
All the words of this life. Verse number 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. I don't know what you do in, in, in your Bible. I know some write in their Bible, some don't. In my Bible, I have verse number 20 and verse number 29 connected. And above those, that, that little connection there, I have always go with God. Here's why. Because in this portion of Scripture, as you go and you're going to see here in just a few moments, the persecution is going to come. And the persecution, as it comes, they get thrown into prison. And at this very moment, in verse number 19, you see the angel of the Lord by night open those doors. And he tells them to go, stand, and speak. Now, in this situation, there are many times whenever we are doing something for the Lord and all of a sudden opposition begins to take uh, effect in our lives and then we are given an out. And just imagine me for just a few moments. If I were standing here preaching and as I'm preaching the Word of God, all of a sudden the police come in and arrest me because I was preaching the Gospel. Just imagining this and and not not really going to take place here, but as you go to places like China and other countries, it would. Let's just for imagine, imagine I'm thrown into prison and somehow, maybe bail, someone pays bail, and I get out of prison, knowing that, hey, if I get back in the pulpit, they're just going to come and arrest me once again. I wonder, being honest with you, would I get back in the pulpit? Now look, we all would stand here tonight and we'll say, oh yeah, we'll get back in the pulpit, we'll preach. It's easier said than done, isn't it? Peter and them, as they're just thrown into prison, as they find themselves in prison here, the the angel of the Lord says, go stand and speak. And one of the things we find about Peter and the other apostles is that they truly were yielded to the Lord, especially in this passage of Scripture that we find here. Five things we notice. No one's told me if you would. In verse number 12, reading on down, the Bible says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that the least, the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude of the cities round about under Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. Now, I'm not going to deal with this this evening because I want to study a little bit more and maybe elaborate later on. But in verse number 15, when it makes this statement in verse number 15, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing might overshadow some of them, that statement is just an interesting statement to me. But as you see in verse 12 on down to verse number 16, you see the power of the church. You see in verse number 12, it begins to deal with these miracles being performed. And as you find in Scripture, the Lord uses tools to get mankind's attention. And to get mankind's attention towards judgment. To get mankind's attention towards uh, blessing. And as you see, He uses the signs and wonders and miracles here. He goes on to say in verse number 12, many signs, wonders wrought among the people. You begin to study those different miracles all throughout Scripture. You see Moses did miracles when the law was given. You see the time of the prophets had come and great power was given to Elijah and Elisha. When Jesus and the apostles had time had come, God used the ministry of Jesus and His miracles to convince man to follow Him and His leaders. You see, the Lord uses these things to get our attention. Let me illustrate it this way for you for just a few moments. Many of you know that there is such a thing whenever you have an individual, maybe let's just go to teenagers for just a few moments. And this takes place at every single teen camp. 
Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, it takes place. But there, there's the, these teenagers for a week are, are there, maybe 150 of them together. There's always going to be that one in, the, in each of the groups where that, that, that lady from another youth group catches one of those boys' eyes. They say, oh, she's pretty. Well, these boys are nasty. We got to talk them into taking showers. We got to talk them into putting deodorant on. We got to talk them into all these things. And you know how this goes. They, they, they bring that can of axe to youth camp with them. Why? Because they want to make sure that whenever they walk past that girl, they're going to get her attention. And you know what takes place. They don't realize it. One of these days, they're going to realize it. When they walk past that girl, they've just sprayed half a can all over their body, making sure that they're lathered in that axe can spray. Now, these boys are looking at me saying, not us. We use the real stuff. We use Tommy Hilfiger, the real deal. But they walk past that girl, and that girl goes, "Woo!" just like that. Thinking, what in the world? I mean, just a cloud of axe just hanging around them, right? We do things naturally to get people's attention, don't we? Sometimes you, 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 you have those people who someone walks into the room and all of a sudden the person who is trying to get that person's attention, their voice gets a little louder because they're wanting that person to look over here. We use certain things to get people's attention and that is something that we can relate to and that's exactly what the Lord does. The Lord knows how to get every single one of us our attention. Every single one of us. The sad reality to it is sometimes it takes an entire axe can to get our attention. You know, you, you see that cloud of dust over that axe can and you just smell. I mean, you can be from me to Brother Sean and you just smell all that axe and you're thinking, man, that just, what in the world? The truth of it is, sometimes that's exactly what God has to do and it's a sad thing. Why? Because we're not yielded to the Lord. We're not submitted to the Lord. He doesn't have preeminence in our lives. And as you see in verse number 12, he begins to deal with the many miracles performed. But he goes on to say in verse number 14 that not only miracles were performed, but you begin to see that the people were added. You begin to see the power of God in the church here. And God is working. In verse number 14 it says, And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. Can I share with you tonight that the preacher is not going to add people to the church? You are not going to add people to the church. Ministries are not going to add people to the church. God is going to add people to the church. The power of God is going to add people to our church. Now, can I, can I share with you for just a few moments that as the preacher is preaching, as the preacher is yielded to the Lord, the power of God can rest on the preacher, and God, through the preacher, can use the Word of God. God can use those ministries if the power of God is on those ministries. God can use you as you yield yourself to the Lord, and the power of God is on your life. God can use you to bring people along. But it is not me. It is not you. It is not those ministries. It is God Himself. And the question we have to ask ourselves tonight is how much do we yearn for God to use us this evening? I desire to, for the Lord to use Gateway Baptist Church in ways that only He could use this church. And I desire the Lord to use me in ways that only God could use me. But it's only going to happen if He has preeminence in every single one of our lives. As we walk into the house of God and as I walk up to the pulpit, I don't say in my heart of hearts that, Lord, I'm going to preach what I want to preach. No, no, it ought to be that I have a spirit of submission. Lord, help me to preach what you would have for me to preach. And every single preacher that steps foot in the pulpit ought to say that. But as a church, we ought to walk into the auditorium. We ought to wake up every single day. We ought to go about our lives saying, Lord, may you have preeminence in our lives today. Lord, you guide me. 
Lord, you direct me. You begin to see in verses 12 on down the power once again in the church. And it was addressed because in verses 1 on down to verse number 11, Peter began to address the sin that was quenching the Spirit. Tonight, can I ask you a question? There might be some here tonight that you're wanting the power of God in your life, but you're allowing the way that you're living to quench the Spirit of God. Maybe the sin that you're holding on to, and you might be thinking, I just can't give it up. Give it to Him, and He can give you much, much better. As you begin to think about not only the power of God in the church here, you begin to think about verse number 17, look what the Bible says. Because you see the persecution of the church here. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of Sadducees. Now that word sect right there means of the heresy, if you would. Heretics, if you would. And we're filled with indignation. That statement of indignation speaks of one who is envious and contentious, one who is very jealous, one who is very angry. It almost speaks of one who is boiling up because they're so hot. And in verse number 18, it goes on to say, "...and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison." You begin to see the persecution of the church here. Can I share with you that truth, it's been said this many, many centuries now, but truth will always rock the boat. You see, the gospel is going to confront us with our sin, and you begin to think about that as that moment took place in my own life whenever I was sitting in a youth camp, and for many, many months my pastor had been preaching, and I felt like he was preaching only on the gospel every single service. Can I share with you, he was not only preaching the gospel every other service. But it was the Holy Spirit revealing to me, hey, you need to get this settled. You need to deal with your salvation because there is going to come a time when you aren't going to be here. Josh Farmer, you are not promised tomorrow. And I began to realize that that truth of the gospel was confronting me with my sin. And I needed to deal with it. You begin to think about truth and you begin to think about those comfort zones that are oftentimes shaken up and disturbed as the Word of God begins to draw us away from that comfort zone and closer to the Lord. That's the truth. The Lord desires us to get out of our comfort zone and follow Him. Religion begins to get uncomfortable when those begin to realize that we don't need to be religious, but we need to be spiritual. Truth deals with that. As you go and you study Scripture, you'll find that also people who put their security and their religion and their works in themselves, they begin to realize that those things will always let them down, but Jesus won't. The truth. You see, these individuals right here, as you begin to think about the persecution of the church, there's going to be times in your own life, if you stick with God, where you're going to face persecution. There's going to be times when people might look at you a little funny. There's going to be times when people might say, why do you do things that way? You're you're weird, and why are you acting that way? You ought to act normal. Well, what is normal? I was asking Kelly that just the other day. I said, are we normal or are we weird? Are we the weird ones or are we the normal ones? You know, who, who's to really know? Or you, you know, you just never know. What's normal? But if being weird means sticking with Jesus, then I'm all for it. Amen. And if being normal means sticking with Jesus, then I'm all for it. As you come to this portion of Scripture, you begin to see the persecution of the church. But can I share with you, notice with me in verse number 20, backing up rather to verse number 19, those who were persecuting found out rather quickly, hey, this plan didn't work. This didn't happen. Now, there, there are some of you who uh, have animals like this. I, I've never personally experienced it, but I, I know Brother John has personally experienced it. Have you ever had a, one of, maybe some of you have had a dog that just knew how to get itself out of a cage. Any of you like that? Any of you got, get it, get it, I mean, you could, you could put that cage, I mean, you could do whatever you needed to to make sure that dog was not getting out, but it was happening. 
It was going to happen. I was watching a video a couple of months ago, and there was a, a fenced-in area, and some of these, these dogs that can just jump up I mean, just and keep climbing, it amazes me. And it was a video of a man who had built this new fence, and he was making sure, and it, it even had it to where it was just going like this just enough. So if that dog ran up that fence and tried to jump up, it just hit that thing and dropped right back down. Man, this, this dog runs up this fence and, and reaches that one paw up and around. Determination. Wasn't going to stop. Can I share with you, there's not a soul out there, there's not a devil out there that can stop what the Lord wants to do. The persecution of the church. In verse number 19 it says, But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Verse number 21, And when they had heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. I love that obedience is immediate right here. As soon as they're given the opportunity, they rose up early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they were with him, and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut all the safety, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within." Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them where unto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the man whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Now, for just a few moments, imagine with me. I mean, as you come to verse number, verse number 18, and the Bible says, And they laid hands on the apostles. I don't imagine, let me get, Jared, come on up here for just a moment. I don't imagine that it was, was like this. You know, I don't imagine that Peter is, is, is standing there teaching and preaching the truth. And these who are filled with indignation, they're, they're so frustrated. They're so annoyed by what's going on. They're, they're angry about what's going on. I don't imagine them walking up and saying, hey, do you mind? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to escort you. I don't imagine it like that. When I read verse number 18, I like to read it in such a way of, of, of imagining that this statement laid hands on the apostles and put them in the common place that they go and they forcefully grab them. I don't imagine that it was just a, a soft, hey, would you mind allowing me to put you in the prison for this? Just a I don't imagine it that way. I imagine it was they grabbed them very roughly and, and put them in the prison. Listen, you sit right there. I imagine it was very forceful. It wasn't just something, hey, would you, you stay right there, stay comfortable. Right, so forcefully, and then you come to verse number 24, notice what the Bible says. In verse number 24, Now the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things. They doubted of them, whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Now imagine for just a moment, forcefully putting them into the prison. Okay, you lay your head down on your piddle. They're no longer an issue. You wake up, they're an issue. What's going on? You're trying to figure it out, and an individual comes up to you and says this. Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Now, they're put into prison because they were teaching. And they wake up thinking, oh, that's taken care of. And so not only are these individuals now no longer in the prison, your, your mind goes to, well, maybe they escaped, and maybe we don't have to worry about them any longer. And then you have that one person who walks up to you and says, no, they escaped, and they're back to teaching again. I imagine that just, that just indignation once again consumed. They were, they were frustrated about this. You can be seated. 
In verse number 25, Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the man whom you put in the prisoner standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you? Now when I read that, I kind of, I kind of picture a mother getting onto a child saying, Did I not tell you? You know, you just, with very stern, hold up, I told you not to, you know. Did we not straightly command you? You should not teach in his name, in this name. And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and to bring this man's blood upon us. Now, I want you to notice this. This is something that we need to remember. In verse number 28, it says that you should not teach in this name. You know the only name that offends this world is the name of Jesus? That's an interesting thing, ain't it? I mean, you can talk about Buddha and someone ain't going to really take you serious. You can talk about Muhammad and people really ain't just, they're just not going to really get offended. But you start talking about Jesus, and all of a sudden they get offended. It's a very interesting thing. And Peter looks at him and says this. We ought to obey God rather than men. Peter just very simply understands that those prison doors were open. The persecution of the church is taking place. But these men were told to go, to stand, and to speak. Flip your Bibles, if you would, for just a moment to Matthew chapter number 28. Tonight, you might be thinking, well, what, what, are you, what are you saying? You're telling me I need to go, I need to stand, I need to speak? Matthew 28, verse number 19, can I share with you, is not just a suggestion. It's not just something that you should look at and say, hmm, I wonder who that's to. Can I share with you, if you're a child of God, that's to you. The Bible goes on to say, go ye therefore. Well, there's the going right there. As it goes on to say, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Can I share with you, it's time that we as a church, we as a people, we as Christians would go, stand, and speak. You say, but I'm scared. Look with me again in verse number 20 and notice this five-word statement that is found. I am with you always. Stop trying to do it in your own power and rest in the power of God. These individuals understood, hey, in verse number 20 of Acts chapter number 5, if they're told to go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people, all the words of this life, then hey, that was not just something that they ought to consider, but they ought to do. You see, the statement that is made here, go, stand, and speak, the go is the power of God being present in their lives at that very moment. The stand, it was time to stand at that very moment. And the speak, it says, all the words of this life. Can I share with you? That whenever you go, you stand and speak. Just speak the name of Jesus. Don't hold back. Listen, if this is truly truth, and we believe this to be truth, then why do we pick and choose which portions we're not going to talk to people about? If If you've bought into it, if you've sold out to it, then why are there certain parts where you just really don't want to talk to people because it might offend them? Can I share with you, in those moments whenever they might be offended, if you were yielded to the Lord and submitted to the Lord in that moment, the Lord will help you to gracefully show them, hey, this is just what the Lord is saying here. I don't want to come at you, but I want to help you. I don't want to to, to confuse you, but I want to, to show you from the Word of God, this is what the Lord has to say. Peter stands out in this portion of Scripture as you come to verse number 20 and verse number 29 and drawing that statement together, always go with God. Can I encourage you? 
We need some Christians who will go, who will stand, and who will speak. For far too long, we have Christians who might go occasionally, but they're going with the intentions of only going and standing and standing in the back and just letting some others do what the Lord has called all of us to do, which is to go and to reach this world. But imagine with me for just a few moments, if every single one of us in this gymnasium committed unto the Lord, Lord, I'm not just going to go and be a part of the crowd any longer. I'm not just going to stand with the crowd any longer and let them do all of the speaking. But Lord, I want to be a tool, a vessel used by you. Lord, I want to speak. Lord, I want to point people to you. I want to point people to your truth. I want to point people to the, the love that is found in Scripture. Peter understood this as he sta- makes the statement, we ought to obey God rather than men. Can I share with you tonight? We ought to obey God rather than that. What are you going to do with it? Go, stand, and speak. As I began to think about that statement, that story that the preacher was talking about, that, that Campbell Morgan just destroyed 40 years worth of his preaching. And he made that statement. For so long he had been preaching and teaching that you ought to give up all of these things for the blessing of God. When in reality... While you might give up things every once in a while, God is not so much concerned about the things you're giving up, but if you're giving up yourself. And the reason many of us will not go, will not stand, and will not speak is because we haven't given ourselves to the Lord. Can I encourage you? It's time that Christians surrender their all. You've heard many, many messages on surrendering your all and being completely given to the Lord. But I wonder if tonight you're still sitting in your seat and you've got a do not disturb sign on. You've got a no trespassing sign on. You're not allowing the Lord to show you, hey, I have so much more for you if you would just take down the sign and say, Lord, enter. Come this way. Show me. What do you have for me to do? Lord, show me the path. Allow the Lord. Go, stand, and speak. Lord, we do thank you tonight. Lord, we rejoice in your goodness this evening. Lord, I believe it's it's high time that Christians, Lord, would stop being tail-tucking Christians. Lord, and we'd get serious about some things. And Lord, we'd stand tall. And Lord, we'd, we'd be bold about what you have for us. And Lord, we'd speak the truth in love. Lord, that we'd find ourselves being Christians who are no longer scared to speak. But Lord, being bold as a lion, Lord, we would go and share the gospel to a lost and dying world. Peter and the other apostles, Lord, thrown in prison, gotten out of prison, told to go and continue teaching, and they do just that. Lord, confronted again, and they understood that they ought to obey God rather than men. And Lord, I wonder tonight if there are some who are afraid of what mankind will think of them. Maybe they've got some friends. Maybe they've got some family. Maybe they've got a community of, of individuals that they are around often that they're afraid of what they might think. Lord, may we just say fooey with all of that. And Lord, may we find ourselves yielded to you and surrender to you, and Lord, allow you to have your will and have your way. Lord, stir us up. Once again, move us to action. Help us, and we'll thank you for it. Guide us now. Be with this invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.